Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. Good. Yeah. yeah, I love, I love that story. Um, after watching uh, Jason and uh, Leonce on stage last week, I did push-ups all week long. <laughs> Clearly didn't work. <laughs> so uh, maybe next week I'll just try to buy smaller shirts. I'm not sure. But I, I did find something that I have in common with them. Jason wrestled in the ACC. Uh, Leonce played football in the NFL. And I have just enough ADD to already be distracted from what it is that I'm supposed to be talking about. So let me try and get back on track here. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Um, does anyone not like Jesus? You're feeling like, that's a loaded question, Donnie, right? Are you even allowed to ask that in church? Let, let, me, let me make this statement, because I, I think I'm confident making this statement that everyone, everyone likes Jesus. I mean, in 25 plus years of doing this pastor thing and having, I don't know how many conversations that I have had with people about Jesus, I've never had a conversation with someone said, you know what, that Jesus guy, man, he drives me crazy, right? Like, what's he doing? Loving people the way he does, right? And healing the sick, caring for those that are less fortunate, right? Providing and, and, and moving things towards equity, right? Sacrificing, giving up his life for, for forgiveness of sins and, and providing access for us to God, right? That, that Jesus guy drives me crazy. Who does he think he is? Like, I've never had, I've never had that conversation. No one is ever upset with Jesus, now, I've had lots of people who are upset and they use Jesus' name in very creative ways, right? But that's another message for another time. I've never, I've never had a conversation with someone who's upset with Jesus. And I think this is why. I think it's because Jesus is easily lovable. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, even if you don't believe in Jesus' story, right, I think it's easy to say that there's a lot of people that just they cannot not like Jesus, uh, there's a statue of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever seen this statue before, but I think it's a, it's a, it's, that's, that's it, right? Jesus is like the way cool guy, right? Like if we don't have statues at Hope, but if we were to have statues, that's the statue that would be at, at all of our campuses, right? And, and I think, I think that there, there's a lot of people, a lot of people that, that that's their worldview. That's how they see Jesus, you think about this, right? Even kids that are born with atheist parents, they're like, Jesus is born and I get presents, Jesus dies, I get candy, go Jesus, right? Like there's, there's nothing bad about this deal. Some of you, it took you a minute. You're like, oh, Easter, I, I get it, Easter, yeah. I'll talk slower. It's probably just the, the accent. But people even, they get weird sometimes with this whole Jesus thing too, right? They, they look for Jesus in weird places. I pulled some of my, my favorites of this. Here's this guy um, who found Jesus in a frying pan. I think it's just burnt chicken, to be honest, but okay, that, that's fine. Uh, how about this one? Jesus, Jesus in a Kit Kat. You got to look real close. You almost got to let your eyes cross, like those old pieces of artwork, right? You're like, I don't see Jesus, but I think I see dolphins jumping. Yeah, that, I don't know if that one works. How about, how about this one? Jesus in a tortilla. 
looks more like Lenny Kravitz or The Weeknd to me, but uh, you, you decide. That was literally was on the news saying, Jesus found on tortilla. I, I don't know, but okay, there's that one. How about this, Jesus on a banana, right? Just proving that even Jesus loves vegans, right? And so you're making a terrible life choice, but Jesus still loves you. So that, that's all right. Here's my favorite. This, is, this one is my favorite. Jesus on a Cheeto, right? Look, he's even praying, guys. I mean, like this one, this is the legit one right here. You know what we call this one? You get, wait for it. Jesus. See, that's funny. I don't, I don't care who you are. That's, that's funny right there. Okay, so if, if so many people like Jesus right? That they're looking for him in frying pans and trying to find him on, on, on Cheetos and that kind of thing. Why is it that the fastest growing religious group in our, in our nation right now are the nuns? Now, before you recovering Catholics, right? Because I know our audience well, before you start twitching, not the nuns like the ladies in, in black hoodies, but the N-O-N-E-S, it's the people that don't believe in anything. That is the fastest growing religious group in, in our country. So why is it that people really like Jesus, but they don't want to follow him? Now, I'm sure we could come up with, with dozens of reasons, but I'm confident of this. It would always come back to one common denominator, and I think it has to do with us, right? It has to do with, with the church, with followers of Jesus. Is it possible that we make Jesus confusing to others at times? I mean, is it possible that sometimes we may even make Jesus look bad to others at times. We know that Jesus isn't confusing. We know that Jesus isn't bad, but is it possible that sometimes we muddy the water for those that are outside of the church? Maybe, maybe this church sign kind of sums it all up best. Look at this. We love hurting people. You can read that in two ways, can't you? And depending on your experience with church, you know which way you're reading it. For some of us inside, we can read that both ways, but I bet there's a lot of people on the outside that have heard that. I hear you say, we love hurting people, but what I've really experienced is you love hurting people, right? That's more of what their experience has been. See, I think the world seeing Jesus as their buddy, I think that's okay. But for us, for the church, right, we know that's fine to see Jesus as your buddy, but there's so much more that you're missing out on. Jesus actually, one day, he gave a very clear warning to very religious people. In fact, this is what he said in Matthew 23, verse 13. He said, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Let me give you just a little bit of context to this passage, right? The, the temple in Jerusalem, it, it actually isn't very big, and there's kind of two sections to it. And outside of the temple, the, the very first, just outside the temple, there's a patio, or they would call it a courtyard. And this first one was fenced in, it's gated, and it's really only for uh, the priests. Only priests are allowed to go into that patio. And then outside of that patio, there's a second patio, right, a little bit further away from the temple. That is reserved only for Jewish men. Then outside of that patio, there is a third patio, a third courtyard. That one is reserved for all Jewish people. So Jewish men, women, children are allowed on that patio. And then finally, there's a fourth patio, farthest away from the temple. And that patio is reserved for the Gentiles, right? For people to come and who don't know God to come and see who God is. For the people who are the, the farthest away from God to come and hear about who this God is. In fact, that's where Jesus was when he turned the tables over, if you're familiar with that, that story in the Bible. See, Jesus is regularly frustrated with religious people who are, who are keeping the people that are farthest from God on the outside, and he, they're not letting them have access to God. 
And I think this was Jesus' point. This whole church thing, it's not about us. Not, not entirely. This whole church thing, it, it's not even for us. Not, not entirely. See, I think it's easy sometimes for us to get focused on our wants, on our preferences, on our needs, on the things that are important to us. And as a result, we begin to lose sight of the very people that Jesus came to rescue. So there's this verse that, that Jesus said, and it's again, the, these same religious people, right? They're very frustrated. They're very angry at Jesus because he's hanging out with, with sinners, with those people, the people that are farthest from God. And look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter two, verse 17. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. See, all Jesus ever wanted was to help people who were far from God to know that God had not given up on them, that God was not done with them. God was not mad at them. In fact, Jesus wanted them to know that God loved them so much that he was willing to do whatever it took to bring his creation home to be his children. See, and I wonder if some of us can relate to that. Maybe you're watching online or maybe at one of our other campuses you're watching and saying, yeah, Donnie, I don't know if I believe in this, in this whole God thing yet. I mean, for some of us, maybe, maybe we've had experiences in life. We've had relationships in life. We've had so much pain in life that, that it's, it's a hard thing to question. How can a God really be there and really love me and really care about me if I've experienced the things that I've experienced? Maybe for some of you, you're on the far extreme to the other side. For all the things that I've done, for all the bad decisions that I've made, for all of the people that I've hurt, there is no way that God could ever possibly love me. There's no way that God could forgive me for those things. So here's what I want you to know. Wherever you are on that spectrum, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here because this is a place where you can belong even if you don't believe yet. Jesus told a story once. He said, there was a, if I had 100 sheep, right, and, and one was lost, Right? You would look at that and you would say, well, the, the smartest thing to do would be to cut your losses and say, well, I lost one, but I'm really going to protect the 99 and make sure I don't lose any others. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I would leave the 99 to go find that lost one. In the movie Gladiator, can we all agree? Top three movies of all time, right? Gladiator, incredible, incredible movie. Maximus is the main character. And if you've seen the movie as many times as I have, you're gonna be able to visually see this scene. But Maximus makes this statement. He says, Caesar once had a vision of what was supposed to be Rome. And this is not it. So I think Jesus had a vision of what his kingdom was supposed to look like. And our world, it's not it. Our nation it's not it. Problem is, a lot of times the church of Jesus, see, it's not it either. That's why we need to be willing to go all gladiator on, on this subject. Because we all know people. We live with people. We live next to people. We work with people, go to school with people that we care about, that they don't know who Jesus is. And if that's why Jesus came, and if it mattered that much to him, then it absolutely needs to matter to us. So we're in this series, right? And we're talking about our DNA. We're talking about what makes hope, hope. And here's the value that we're going to talk about today. We exist for those who aren't here yet. And as a result of that, this impacts 
the way that we do things and the why behind a lot of the things that we do here at Hope. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter two. Uh, if you don't, that's okay. You can follow along on the side screens. If you're watching online, um, you can follow along there as well. While you're turning to Mark two, let me just kind of set this up. Jesus is in Galilee. And so he was hanging out in the, in the mountains, right? He was teaching, he was healing people. He was performing miracles. He was doing his Jesus thing. And then it says that he now has come back home, came home to Capernaum, which is actually at the beach. And there's a very very clear biblical principle right in that there is that the mountains are a nice place to visit, but the beach is where we are all meant to live, right? Can I get an amen from my beach people? That's in the Bible. You can't argue that. It's, it's right there. Okay, here we go. Mark chapter two, beginning of verse one says this. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even, even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. And so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. <laughs> Only God can forgive sins. Well, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. And so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up. He grabbed his mat and he walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and they praised God exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. Okay, let's unpack this story a little bit. I've got a few thoughts that I think will help make sense with this as we talk about with this value. Jesus comes home, right? And word starts to get around that Jesus is here. Here's the thought number one. If the church is about sharing and showing Jesus, then we should be people that people want to be around, right? Let me say that again. If the church is about sharing and showing Jesus, then, then people should want to be around us, right? Everywhere Jesus went, crowds of people gathered around him. And I'm not saying that maybe we should have the same size of crowds that, that Jesus had, but if we are people of Jesus, following Jesus, loving people and living like Jesus, then we should be the kind of people that people want to, to be around. Whether that's in a building on a Sunday morning, whether that's at Womble Park with a, a bunch of middle schoolers on a Tuesday night at a squad night, or whether that's on a, on a Thursday night in a living room for a Bible study, Jesus should be so attractive through us that people want they want to get to know us. They want to know more about us. They want to be around us. So I love these four guys. And when we really don't know a lot about these guys, we, we, we just see them show up on the scene and they're carrying the uh, paralyzed man. We don't know if they were friends. We don't know if they went to high school together. Did they grow up together? Did they even know this guy? Or were they walking to go see Jesus, saw him on the side of the road and said, Jesus can fix this, right? And they grabbed him and, and took him with them. We, we don't know. Was he, was he being carried by them saying, guys, I, I don't know about this plan, right? Like I, I, did, I got plans tonight, right? You, you said you were going to take me to the Jerusalem 7-Eleven. That's that way. We're going this way. What is happening right now? 
We don't know any details other than this. Jesus had such a reputation and such an attractiveness that people knew that if they could just get people to him, that life change could happen. See, we should be people. Because of Jesus inside of us, we should be people that people want to be around. Here's the second thought. We can't be the kind of crowd that keeps people from Jesus. I don't know if you remember crowds, right? That was a couple years ago. We used to have crowds of people. Maybe one day they'll come back. But, but Jesus, right, is there and there's this crowd of people around them. But do you notice that no one is willing to give up their spot, right? It's kind of like the, the Christmas parade or, or the 4th of July when you set up your blanket and your chair like seven hours before, right? Because I want a good spot to be able to see this and, and nobody, nobody is letting anybody else in. That's kind of what's happening here. I want to see, I don't really care about anyone else. Look at verse three. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus. Why? Because of the crowd. See, we have a saying around hope that we, we've always said as far back as I can remember, and it's, it's this. Everyone has a voice except for those who aren't here yet. Let me say that again. Everyone has a voice except for those who aren't here yet. It's true. A middle school parent has a voice, right? They can speak into how much camp should cost by how much they're willing to pay or what days or what times um, middle school ministry should meet at, right? Our kids' city volunteers, they, they have a voice as to what curriculum is best, as to what games or crafts work best, maybe even to what snacks we should use. Should it be goldfish or, or fruit roll-ups, right? They have a voice in that. A woman in a, in a Bible study has a voice as to which Beth Moore study they should do next, right? We all have a voice. We all have preferences. Let me give you a couple more examples, just in case you're not convinced yet. Maybe you've said this. Maybe you've heard someone else say this. I like when that guy teaches, right? That guy, not so much, right? I, maybe you've heard that before. Maybe it's this. I, I like live teachers, right? I don't want to go to church and watch it on a movie screen, right? Like that, that's weird. Maybe you've said this. Maybe you've heard someone else say this. I like that worship leader. Why, why can't they be at our campus more often? Or I like my songs. Why don't they play my songs? I think they should do communion every single week. I wish they used a different brand of coffee, right? I like to park close to the building. I like fill in the blank. And so we use our voice to express our preferences. Now, some of us do this online right? I'm just going to leave a little comment to let him know what I thought about his message this weekend, right? And so some of us do that. Some of us do it behind other people's backs. Did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about this thing that happened at the church? I'm not gossiping. I'm just telling you so we can pray about it, right? Because that sounds very spiritual when we do it that way. It's not. Stop it. That's sin, right? That's, that's, not, that's not how we do it. Some of us actually use our voice in healthy, constructive ways. And we need more of that in, in our culture and in our world, right? Where we're trying to help be part of the solution and, and not more of the problem. But let me ask you this question. Who will be the voice for those who aren't here yet? So you're allowed to have your preferences, but what I know is true is that the longer we hang around church, the more that our preferences begin to grow. And the more that our preferences grow, the more they begin to show. And the more our preferences show, the quicker we become to say, no, right? I don't like that guy. I don't like that girl. I don't like that thing. I don't like that change. Why don't you just do it the way that I want it done? When we get focused 
on our preferences, when, when I'm focused more on my voice, right, what happens is I lose sight of the needs of other people. And I stop listening to them. Maybe even more importantly, I stop being the voice for those that aren't here yet. Who's the voice for your friend that doesn't know Jesus? For that family member, that neighbor, that coworker, or the student that you go to school with, that you're on a team with, that parent at PTA with you, that online gamer, the person in your book club, the guy that you play golf with, the person on the other softball team, who is their voice if they're not here? See, in this passage, no one in the crowd cleared away so that they could bring this guy to Jesus. Can we resolve today that we will be the kind of people that we will give up our rights, that we will give up our preferences so that people who are far from God could have a place to belong, a place to come and meet Jesus until they're ready to believe? Can we be that kind of people? Thought number three. Sometimes you have to get a little dirty to help people get to Jesus. Jesus is teaching, right? People are listening, and, and then these five guys show up. They can't get in through the crowd. Look at verse 4. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Now, I did a little bit of research on this, and here's how the roofs were constructed back then. There would have been some beams that were probably about three feet apart, and they would have taken mud and thatch and manure, right? And they would have molded that together so that it would stay in place. And they actually used the manure as fertilizer so that grass would grow on their roof. So they had a place to go have a little afternoon nap up there, right? It was like a little rooftop patio for them. And so here's these five guys and they go up on the roof and they begin digging, right? They're digging through the mud and they're digging through the thatch and they're digging through the manure. See, sometimes you have to dig through a little stuff, to help people get to Jesus, right? Sometimes we have to get a little dirty. Now, there's a big difference here between getting dirty and being dirty, right? I'm not suggesting that we compromise our values, that we compromise our beliefs, that we go against what God has taught and said in his word. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes we have to get a little messy. Sometimes we have to get a little dirty to help people get to Jesus. And I'm not saying that you have to to reach a Carolina fan, you have to become a Carolina fan. We know some people just can't be reached, right? And so that's understandable. But what I love about these guys is they don't take this obstacle as a sign from God that they're supposed to quit and go home and stop trying. I think sometimes we do that too easily. We quit too soon. The crowds are too long. The parking lot's too busy, right? The, the lineups are dropping my kids off are, are too long. The, the coffee shop is way too, And we make all kinds of excuses. These guys didn't see the reason that the crowd was not parting for them. They didn't see that obstacle as a reason to quit and go home. Instead, they were willing to do whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. See, this has always been the history of hope. We have story after story of people being rescued from crack houses. We had a former, an exotic dancer that gave her life to Jesus and to help give her a fresh start, we hired her and brought her on staff. She was one of the longest tenured staff people that we had up until just a couple of years ago when, um, when she moved away. We've had couples that have gotten divorced and then through marriage classes and through counseling have been remarried. We've had families that have been broken and not talked in decades that have found healing and hope and restoration and have come back together. I had a conversation with someone not too long ago that said that her husband is an atheist, but he loves when I teach. I don't know if that's a compliment or, or not, right? But here's what I know is true. We have to be the kind of people who are willing to do whatever it takes short of sin 
to help people get to Jesus. Thought number four, my faith impacts others. It's interesting that before Jesus heals him physically, he, he focused on healing him and or forgiving him, right? Healing him in, in his heart, in his soul, healing him spiritually. Mark 2 verse 4 says, Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. See, Jesus is making a couple of clear statements here. One is he says that spiritual healing is the greatest need that every single one of us has. But the second thing that he says is very interesting. He doesn't say because of the paralyzed man's faith, he is forgiven. He says because of their faith, that that man is forgiven. See, I would challenge you with this. If someone had big faith, that if they could help get you to Jesus, if they could help you meet Jesus, that your life could be changed. And it has been changed. I would challenge you with this. Your faith can impact whether someone else gets to Jesus or not. I want you to, to rate yourself. I want to give you a little, little quiz here. I, I want you to rate yourself from one to, one to 10. How true is this in your life for the past month or two months, whatever, okay? One being the lowest, 10 being the highest, all right? One is that you're apathetic towards people who are far from God, right, and, and meeting Jesus. You, you just, you don't care all that much. 10 would be that you are super passionate about people far from God meeting Jesus, all right, now let me just say this. Only Billy Graham is, is a 10, right? He's the only one that can give himself a 10. So we'll take that, we'll take that off, off the scale. And, and I would say probably if you're a one, you might not even believe in Jesus. So we'll take that one off as well. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to rank yourself. Don't say this out loud. Don't put your hand up. But let me give you a couple things here. If you led someone to Christ last week, you're automatically a nine, right? Give yourself a, a nine on that one. If you've led multiple people to Christ over your lifetime, if you pray for, by name, people who aren't here yet, if you regularly invite people to church or invite people to watch with you online, or you regularly share Jesus with other people, give yourself, you would be like a seven or an, or an eight or an, a nine on that scale. But if you haven't been praying for someone consistently who, who's far from God to, to meet Jesus, maybe you would even say, I, I don't even know that I know anyone who's not a, a Christian. If you haven't shared Jesus with anyone, you haven't invited anyone to church with you or to watch online with you, then, then you probably on that scale, you would be a two or a three or, or, or a four. So let me ask you a question. Where would you put yourself on that scale? I'm not here to make you feel guilty. But can we be honest? Let's not say, I love Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus if we don't love the people that Jesus came for. And here's what's so important for us, because I think we lose sight of this. We forget about this so quickly. We used to be those people. I used to be that person. You used to be those people. So here's the bottom line. We need to be a place where people can belong until they believe. We used to have a saying here around hope. We used to say this all the time, that you, if you hang around the pond long enough, eventually you're going, to, you're going to fall in. And so how do we do this? Let me give you two applications real quick, real simple ways for us to begin to live this out. And this, this first one I, I believe is already true, but I think we can get better at it. Here's, here's the first statement. We are a church that is willing to give up our preferences for others. Okay, I really believe, I believe that that's already true about us, but I think we can do an even better job of this. Every weekend ministry is designed with those that aren't here yet in mind. If you think about our first impressions ministry, right? If you're brand new, as soon as you drive onto campus at any of our campuses, there are signs that say, put your flashers on because we have preferred parking for those people. 
Some of you are like, yeah, I love that when it's raining, right? I put the flashers on, I get to park real close. That is not for, you're a sinner, right? Like, that's not for you. Stop doing that. That's not, that's not for you. That's for new people, right? We have greeters because if you've never been to a campus before, you don't know where the bathrooms are. You're not supposed to, you don't know where you're supposed to go, where you drop your kids off. We have people to help you with that. We used to have free coffee. We will again soon when the masks come off, right? But, but free coffee for people. We have next steps area to help you get connected and take your next step. If you're watching online, you can chat along this service with the service as it's going on. We also have a next step um, meeting for you that happens on Monday night so you can be a part of and connect with other people. In our family ministries, from our smallest children up to our high school students, everything that we do is designed on the weekends. It's designed for families, for new families to feel safe and connected and cared for. It's a place for children and students to feel like they belong. In our weekend services, this is why we choose the music that we choose to sing. See, if you've never been to church or you're new to church, you don't know Jesus' songs. And so when you walk in, sometimes we do openers from, from the radio, right? Songs that you would hear out there. And that's because sometimes people walk in and they go, I know that song by Taylor Swift, or I know that Beatles song. This feels like maybe a place where I could connect. We choose songs that are, are easy to sing. We choose songs that are clear in their messages. Sometimes people will come up and say, have you heard that song on the radio? It's a great song. We should do it at church. It probably is a fantastic song. It just might not be the best song for us to try and reach people who, who aren't here yet. See, this is why we teach the way that we teach. It's why we program the way that we program. What you will never hear at Hope is you're never going to hear, hey, next weekend is bring a friend weekend, right? We're going all out next weekend. This weekend, I hope you didn't bring a friend. In two weeks, don't bring a friend. But next week, that's the weekend. We don't do that here. Every weekend is bring a friend weekend. We work incredibly hard to make sure that you will never be embarrassed if you bring someone with you to church. Let's be known as people who are willing to give up our rights, give up our preferences to reach those that aren't here yet. Let's be the voice for those people. We need to be a place where people can belong until they believe. Here's the second thing. We need to be roof-wrecking friends. I, I love that sentence. I, I admit I stole that from another pastor, just a sentence, but I, I love that sentence. We need to be roof-wrecking friends. Who do you know that needs the hope of Jesus? right? The same hope that you needed, the same hope that has changed your life. Who in your life do you know that desperately needs that same hope? See, it may be a little, it may be, you have to, may have to get a little messy. You may have to dig through some stuff, right? To help them get to Jesus, to help them meet Jesus. But will you commit to praying for them by name? Not because they're a project, but because you care about them, because you want the best life for them. Will you invite them here on the weekend or will you invite them to watch with you online in your home? Will you invite them into your life? Will you share your story with them? And maybe even most importantly, will you share Jesus with them? A couple weeks ago at Easter, I, um, I met a guy named Dennis and his family. Dennis, they, they live in New Jersey. Um, they have family that, that attends at, at our Apex campus. And um, Dennis told me a story. He said a couple years ago, we came down um, from New Jersey. We came to be with the family. And he said, I, I'm, I was Catholic. And in fact, I think he described himself as really Catholic. And, and so he said, my plan was I was going to go to a Catholic church and the rest of my family was going to Hope. But they, they eventually, they convinced me that I should go to Hope too. And he said, I had an incredible, incredible experience at Hope. He said, it, it felt like that place where I could belong, even though I... I hadn't believed yet. 
When they went back home, he said, we began watching every single week. Now, this is before we were doing online services. So they would wait until Monday or Tuesday until we posted the, the service on the website. And they would go on and they would watch the service every single week. Well, guess what? Dennis gave his life to Jesus. His wife gave her life to Jesus. The entire family, their three kids gave their lives to Jesus. In fact, their two daughters, um, they publicly uh, said yes to Jesus at, at Easter at our Apex campus this past year. I know last year was tough for all of us, right? But here's what Dennis said. He said, those online services, said they got us through last year. And, and he literally said this. He said, this church saved us. Now I know Dennis knows that it wasn't the church that saved him. We know that it's not the church that saved him. It's Jesus who saved him. But it's because we as a church exist for those who aren't here yet. Dennis then told me, he said, we've invited all kinds of other people to start watching in New Jersey. He said, when this is, when this is live online, he said, you, you, should, you should go to a map and check it out. Because he said, there will be a cluster of people just outside of New York and New Jersey that are all watching it together. And so we joked that that's our new New Jersey campus. And so Pastor Dennis, congratulations for leading our campus. We're not paying you anything, but keep leading that New Jersey campus there because I know you're watching online. If you're at a campus this weekend, like, this needs to be our attitude. Right? This, is, this is what we need to be all about. This is our approach. We exist for those that aren't here yet. We can't be the kind of people, the kind of crowd that makes it difficult for people to get to Jesus. If you're watching online, you don't need a building. You just need to live in a way to be the kind of people that people know that you care about them, that you're a safe person to hang around with, that you love them where they are. And if you do that, people will feel like they have a place to belong, even if they don't quite believe yet. Here's what I want you to imagine. Imagine that family member, that friend, that person in your life that doesn't know Jesus. Imagine substituting their name, their story in where Dennis's story was. See, our faith matters. Our faith, our faith matters in, in helping people who are far from God meet Jesus. We need to put our preferences aside. We need to be the voice for those that aren't here yet. And we need to continue to do everything that we do as a church and as individuals and in our lives so that people who don't know Jesus yet have a chance to meet Jesus so that their lives are changed the exact same way that our lives have been changed. Will you bow with me as we pray? God, I just want to say thank you. God, so many, so many of us have just the way that we live our lives, we either feel like it, we may be so far away from you. There's no way that you could love us. Or maybe just by the circumstances and the things we've experienced, it's hard to believe that, that you would still be there for us. But Jesus, you are. You were willing to do whatever it took to help people that you created, that you love dearly come back home into a relationship with you. Father, I pray if that is, if there's someone online, if there's someone at one of our campuses this weekend, and that's you, you're just feeling, I, I need to come home to Jesus. Don't wait. Today's the weekend to do it. Just in the quiet of your heart, would you just say, Jesus, I, I thank you. I believe that you are God's son. Thank you for forgiving me. I want to be in a relationship with you. Jesus, thank you for the way in which you change our lives. God, for those of us that, that call hope home, 
Father, we've had a relationship with you maybe for just a few weeks or, or maybe, maybe for, for 30, 40, 50 years. God, would you help us to, to constantly evaluate and push to the side our preferences, our needs, our desires. God, would you help us to continually be the voice for those that aren't here yet? So Father, they can come home. They can meet you. Their lives can be changed the way that you changed our lives. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.